Okay, I'm going to start off by breaking my stubby hammers. Boo! Oh, dude, judge, judge! <laughs> DQ, thank you, bye. Card. Fuck you. <laughs> Card's banned, bro. Get oh, with no. the times. Oh, I didn't read that article. Oh, man. Oh. Well, welcome. Darn it. <laughs> This is your first game? Cool. Okay. Welcome to the game. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And welcome to the audience to the reaction step. Uh, if this is your first time watching one of our videos, we also do a podcast called the Attack Action Podcast. And if you are in the podcast feed and you're like, what is this BS? Welcome to the future where we now have the reaction step audio in the podcast feed. So you're welcome. So you can either watch it on YouTube or listen to it on your commute to work. Congratulations. You did it. Hello, everybody. But you are, How are missing, you? You're missing out on the full experience. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is more of a visual podcast, um, but... If you're like me and don't sit down to watch YouTube videos very often and do more listening on the go or while doing something, then uh, the audio only is for you. Or you don't pay for YouTube Pro or whatever the hell it's called, and you can't listen to something when your screen goes to sleep. Oh, yeah. This That's, is for, oh, is that this why? Is for everybody. I don't give them money? Yes. <laughs> what? what the... <laughs> Anyway, have you thought about giving them money? It could help your experience. <laughs> no, it makes me want to give them money less. All right, they should give us money. Really, let's let's get down to it. So, like and subscribe. They will, yeah. If you like and subscribe enough, they'll give us money. Yeah, you're missing out on my Icelander I have in the background that Colin got for me. Thank you, Colin, and my uh, weightlifting PRs back there. So you're missing out on that stuff. And if heavy mustache game. Oh, yeah. Totally. Okay, right. so on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Stebby Hammers ban to Classic Constructed, as well as some of our thoughts on Fab 2.0. Is it working? Is it not working? How is the game at this very moment before we head into the more serious part before we take a break at the year? end of the year because of the pro tour worlds etc so we all woke up this morning and the internet was ablaze with the announcement from lss that stubby hammers is now banned in classic constructed still legal in commoner so you have that to look forward to uh but banned everywhere else so what are y'all's thoughts about that Anybody can start. I'm Call like, it. I'm just shocked into silence that such a important piece of equipment that's beloved by every hero running almost every, no, I'm just kidding. Um, not, not really surprised. I, I have been busy the past couple of weeks. I haven't been super plugged into the scene. I haven't been playing much. So the whole timeline for the past couple of weeks was like, we, we did our battle harden. And Phi was like, not super impressive. People were still figuring it out. And then after that, it was like, Phi won a couple events, and everyone was like, oh, Phi's busted, blah, blah, blah. 
And then now Stubbies is banned. And it's just like on this time, it's like I haven't even played against anybody playing Fi whatsoever in CC. So I I just missed the whole thing. And I don't I don't even know. It seems like some people are mad and other people are happy, which I guess is the point of bans. <laughs> it's to do something. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not I'm not oh, surprised. Uh, they banned it preemptively before this set came out in Blitz because they knew it was broken. <laughs> so they, they were just like, let's see if it really is broken. And then they were like, yep, it is. Taylor, why don't you go next? Because I'm going to probably riff off of uh, what you're going to say here. <laughs> Sick, dude. Because yeah. what I said was not helpful or useful. <laughs> Just jazz it up right now. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I thought five was five. Didn't have to play against it at all. <laughs> no, Colin, I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, okay. So r- I was kind of shocked, actually, that they did wind up banning it. I mean, I know it's a big uh, part of this, like, five combo that does, like, a bajillion damage. Um but kind of the consensus it seemed like was, well, it's not too bad. Like, sure, you can have this like big combo, but we haven't really had a chance yet as a community to deck build and kind of counter that strategy or, or figure, you know, something out. And then they just banned it, which to me in the language they use in the article, right, they like state some math you know, which they like obviously had did, you know, so like in classic constructed, the five to seven damage W hammers represents is equivalent to 15% of a hero's life total. Whereas in blitz, it's more equivalent to like 30%. And they say, while we know this is a higher rate relative to the other equipment, we wanted to have have fans to have the opportunity to play five with stubby hammers for road to national season. Uh, that concluded with the calling Utrecht, which is to me very weird language going saying like, well, we knew the math and we were like, yeah, that's pretty friggin' good, but we're just going to like let this happen. And then once these four weeks are over, we'll just ban it, you know? And that feels weird. Like why not just have banned it at the same time? And we probably still would have come up with like a very good Phi deck, you know? So I don't understand, you know, that section of the article and the language they chose. It just seems weird. Uh, Cause is it just a ploy to be like, well, we need one of these heroes out of this set to be super good and classic instructed just in case somebody only has uprising cards. Right. And then if that's the case, then I don't know. That feels uh, false. And then now you've just like taken away stuff from those players who did really well with buy, who are the ones you're trying to incentivize into your game. So those are kind of my surface level takes. Isaac, would you like to riff now? Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. I think that this is a pretty garbage argument and way to handle this. 
Because like if something's broken, then just ban it and have a balanced format that's fun. If it's not broken, then like have it in the format, right? But like letting players play with Phi and CC is just like if you have a broken interaction that makes it not fun for the majority of players who are not playing Phi, right? So then you're making a whole season worse for most people and a bit OP for the people picking up Phi. Like if you already know it's busted, like why not? I guess I would just prefer they prioritize a healthy game or meta or a balanced game rather than like everybody buy all the Phi cards and equipment and mask a moment to, or, you know, I guess you can use pouncing links as well, but, um, you know, so yeah, I thought that that was kind of horseshit. Um, uh, on another note that, yeah, the stubbies band does, I mean, it also like takes away from the salt, the wound combo, right? So it does take quite a bit of damage out of the deck. And I think it is definitely a good call. Uh, because any, like, even if, you know, um, you know, even if Ice Lexi can counter it or, you know, maybe Dory or maybe Old Him or, you know, like decks that theoretically stand a chance or you could build to counter it or aggro Bravo. Um, if a deck can just do 40 damage with pretty much no setup on turn two or even one sometimes, then it makes it just like a non-game and unfun for every other deck in the format besides the one or two that can counter it, right? So you could argue like maybe you have a semi-healthy, super competitive meta, but then you just have like a broken play experience for everybody else, um, you know, in armories or skirmish or like whatever, right? Um, so I think if it is too powerful, then... I'm like very glad that they did something about it. And I'm assuming that it it is kind of busted just based on the out of the gates turns we've seen and based on their internal testing, right? Because I don't know how many counters there are exactly or whatever, but just on principle, it seems to me that a deck that does 40 turn one or two or kind of guaranteed by turn four, almost every game is, it's like too much for the the fun of the game, even if you can maybe when most of the time with heavy ice Lexi or whatever. Um, but glad to see it gone. Pretty fun, funny card <laughs> ever since Monarch. But um, yeah. Had a great uh, name. Yeah. Great, great band. I, d I don't know why they ever let us play with it. But. It really makes, I mean, listen to you guys. So one thing. Next time you guys go first because your your thoughts are better than mine and I sound <laughs> like like a jag who just walked in off the street and doesn't know what's going on. Uh, but it's weird they banned it in Blitz when there was like no Blitz events and then there was a bunch of CC events and they were like, let's see what happens. Um, it's also interesting just to kind of like play, look at the other side of it, looking at the numbers from the top eights, there was 177 five top eights with 21 wins at a 12% win conversion, which is not, I mean, it's the most top eights. It's not the most wins and it's definitely not the most, you know, highest conversion rate. So <clears throat> I don't think it was the most like oppressive deck. I also think it's kind of weird that people started to get really upset about it after Utrecht when it was a mixed format, because yeah. there's draft rounds where people with different decks lose. So it's just like, you can't really fully 
compare that to a full CC event. And I was just like, why, why is nobody talking about that? Because, you know, you have to be good in the CC parts, but you have to be good in the draft. So the meta is not representative of just like a straight classic constructed meta. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting. And just in general, like I agree, the, the way in which they did it seems weird. And I think we've talked about this before and it seems like LSS is interested in kind of manipulating the meta directly in certain ways. And they want to see certain things happen and allow for opportunities in different ways. Um, I think it's very, I think it's very interesting that they banned Stubby so early in Blitz because they basically signaled that somebody was going to have a broken interaction. Whereas if they didn't do that, I think it would have taken a little, I mean, people would have figured it out, but it would have been less like, oh yeah, Fi's, Fi's the stubby guy. Like, let's do that and like break it. Um, but also why not just ban it when they knew, they knew it was broken. Like, and if yeah. you can get a turn zero win, like that's not a fun game anybody wants to play, especially in constructed. That should be like near impossible to do, I think. Right. Yeah, and it's like also when you just ban it in Blitz, you're like signaling to everybody like, hey, use this card. It's really good in this hero. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, oh, maybe they'll figure it out, you know? So I don't know. You know what I mean? And maybe they just didn't, or maybe also they were worried that like, Prism was going to LL and we're going to have like three heroes LL like right next to each other. And so we need Phi to like basically uh, beat Prism and keep keep her in the game. (laughs) Yeah. Stomp those dreams. But like also really funny that Living Legends updated and Prism is two points. Just one win away from LLing. Which she still could, right? She just has to win like one of these battle hardens, which is hilarious. Uh, and there's like so many stories. Like Mara posted on Twitter the other day, like made it to the finals and just like conceded to my homie or whatever, or like in top four, you know. And there were like plenty of stories of that happening. So it's like just one of those people needs to not do that and just win anyway. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So. The stubbies, yeah, weird. Like, totally fine that it's gone. Cool. I think, you know, the big upside is how much cooler Leal next month is going to be and nationals and that sort of thing. Like, you know, the format is wide open yet again. And, um, yeah, so that makes it much more exciting. I also wonder what would have happened if Prism LL'd, if they would have just like updated that and been like, all right, Prism is no longer usable for the Pro Tour and Nationals, or if they would have waited. Interesting. I think they would have LL'd her, but I think if she does now at a battle harden, they might wait till after the Pro Tour. Just mm-hmm. giving the proximity, you know, and the number, or the amount of testing time people will have. Also, Prism isn't really oppressive in this meta, so, um, you know, leaving her is not as detrimental to the top-tier competitive game. Um, but yeah, as far as Stubbies goes, it it just is interesting because it mostly nerfs the combo turn, right? But, like, Phi 
can uh, beat old him pretty soundly, um, but partly because of big turns like this, right? So uh, with Shuko, you get a bit more armor, and you, I mean, Shuko's worth a few damage a game as well, but it's just worth less on the one turn where you stubbies, Artivore, Spreading Flames, Salt the Wound, you know, um, and have that kind of like huge, huge combo there. So, uh, mm. yeah, we'll see how that affects Phi into control because I still think it's going to be an excellent, you know, aggro deck with all of its other tools. It's just, um, you know, that that was kind of the issue for me, right? Is it's like strong aggro deck, huge guaranteed combo pretty quick. You know, mm -hmm. there's like kind of two things there. So hopefully this will smooth it out a little. Totally. Yeah. So overall, good is my uh, is our takeaway here. Uh, but weird we yeah. maneuver. And let's try to have less weird <clears throat> maneuvers, please. Unless That's they're it. fun. Yeah, totally. You can do weird stuff, but we should all be having a good time. Totally. I want to point oh. out, though, highest conversion rate from this Rojan Ashton season is Kano, 29%. Seven top eights, two wins. Awesome. <laughs> Let's just do that. I just, that's when I, I played Prism the other day, not to just totally derail us. Um, no, it's cool. But people, you know, everybody, it seems like everybody hates Prism. You either hate Prism or you love Prism. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I just want to play it because she's probably going to living legend out and then I won't be able to play her anymore. And just had to like apologize <clears throat> all night for playing prison. Basically played it like a new player. He's like on a new Katsu deck. And I was just like, you don't have any six powers in your deck. Do you? And he's like, no, why? And I was just like, all right, dude, I'm sorry. I pulled like three heralds of editions in a row. Uh, and I, I was like, I'm just going to pitch one. Cause I can't do this to this guy. <laughs> like, I literally can't just like draw all the cards and smash him to bits in like two turns so i played a little suboptimally so we, you know because he was still learning so we were kind of going through like what could happen and you know how to do you know reaction steps stuff like that so i took it a moment as like a, a learning learning game for him um but it was definitely like man i feel gross playing this deck <clears throat> but you know to be fair and reinstill your faith in humanity i don't love or hate prism i don't mind prism at all That's a lie. <laughs> no, totally. I very much appreciate Prism for gatekeeping uh, deep control yeah. at times when otherwise that deck would reign supreme. Um, I don't particularly love playing Lexi into Prism. I'm a bit tired of that personally, but um, Prism is definitely very weak to intelligent, aggressive players. So totally fine deck. Nice. So yeah, no, you heard that. If you dislike Prism, you are a <laughs> non-aggressive, non-intelligent player. <laughs> or yeah, one Isaac of each of us. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a whole can of worms with the Prism, Prism leaves and then the control decks in theory reign supreme. But we don't need to get into that now. Well, um, up till now, Phi stomped old him, but maybe not anymore. So who knows what will totally. happen. Play Icelander, stomps old him, no problem. Boom. Easiest matchup, boom. 
frosted. Uh, but if you do want to discuss that, yeah, go ahead and argue about it in the comments below. That would be super great. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about <laughs> flesh, flesh and blood 2.0. What was that tone? Uh, I don't know. Mind, just, let's go into 2.0. Just for humor. Trying to spark engagement. <laughs> Guys. Yeah, totally. Start a war in the comments. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just the bloodbath down there. <laughs> uh, okay, so Fab 2.0. So how is the no more unlimited in first edition working out? How are your guys' thoughts and feelings now about that we don't have to wait around for unlimited to come out? and take it away all right <clears throat> this i do have thoughts and feelings about and maybe some knowledge so let's let's do it i think for the most part very good uh i think a lot of people i've heard from and you know including us talking about it the experience of opening uprising was cool like we brought back the fun of it it was insane to like pull you know a rainbow foil legendary and then maybe still get like a cold foil in the same pack. Maybe not a legendary. I've heard people do that kind of stuff. Um, the possibility of that happening is super fun. And I think the introduction of all the Marvels was really cool. It just kind of seems like they found a balance of we can have collector stuff and we can have player stuff. And you know, that, that felt good when opening. I think the, kind of couple weeks down the line it seems like you know the prices on things it's like the the ability to like open good stuff that you're not interested in and then sell it seems to be a little less i think the prices overall are not super high which a lot of people will be very excited about but also that means like you're kind of losing money on opening boxes all the time so there's no like real ability unless you hit very specific cards that you know you could sell a couple and then you know pay for the box and then have all the other cards that you need um <clears throat> so i think that part's a little we're still figuring it out we don't know what the print run is there seems like there's still a lot of first you know not sorry there's still a lot of the print unopened boxes in the print run um i think there's another wave coming through i'm not actually sure of all that kind of logistical stuff um, but overall, I'd say that is really good. I think kind of an addendum is the history pack stuff, but I'm, I'm more interested to hear what you guys have to say about the, the first unlimited split removal congru congruence-ness. <laughs> yeah, I, nice. I think it's going really, really well. Um, because opening the boxes, like even getting a, you know, like a cold foil Sasha Sandikai or something still feels really special because the cold foils are more rare. The Marvel Dragons have insane collectability. They're awesome. Even like the cold foil Frost Tex and Burn Them All, things like that added in there along with a good enough pull rate on legendaries to keep them like decently affordable or you're like gonna pull one or two. Um, Makes it like really nice because I'm not like an investor or a collector so much. And I felt like while maintaining the rarity of the special things, you know, the, the boxes were, were just, were just a blast to open. 
there is on the other side of it the the issue they were facing where um like you talked about boxes maintaining their value so uh you know merchants that sell uh singles were having a hard time um you know making a profit because of the low value in cards so hopefully that has been addressed i do not know if it has or not but uh that that's like the other concern that i have no idea about but just as far as from like a player standpoint it's been awesome and as far as like some of the legendaries have been a bit like concernedly low you know if that's the right word but um but for me i just like I traded the legendaries I opened for the ones I wanted, right? And, um, you know, that worked out great. A lot of fun to open. What do you got, Taylor? Well, uh, I think pretty much everything you guys said hits hits the nail on the head. If we can continue to have um, booster sets that are this fun to open, like opening a Marvel Dragon is, like, so cool. You know, coolest cards in the game, hands down. Most most cool cards to have. I wish I had not sold the majority of mine now, but trying to recoup expenses. Um, and it's nice that, you know, we don't have to wait for the prices to drop for Unlimited to come out or that there's this weird waiting period where you're like, I would like 20 to $30 off my box. So I'll wait for unlimited. So I'm not going to play the game for a while. Um, but there is a weird, like the uprising product is coming in waves, right? Which is to kind of help with, I think the collectability of it and the prices to happen. But it, it was weird because there was a time where it, it came out and then it was, uh, you know, nobody had any product or anything like that. So you couldn't really run like draft armories. It felt like at a lot of stores. So, in, and I don't know if that is an LSS specific thing or it was a supply chain issue or transit, right? Etc. Like fine if they plan on doing it in waves, but maybe that second wave was like a little bit too delayed um, you but mean if you... uprising draft <clears throat> armories, right? Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Oh, you just said draft armories. So, I was, oh yeah. Sorry, I was just yeah clarifying. uprising for myself. Upri- yeah. Yep. No problem. And and if you do know the specific logistics about whether or not it's, uh, you know, took longer on the boat or LSS's window, etc., just you know, leave a comment or or whatever down there. Um, but I think it has been tough on stores to recoup the value and on players too, right? Like it would be nice if the Marvel dragon I open kind of pays for my box, you know? So like right now on a popular, uh, site on the internet that sells single cards, um, the kind of the the things that get you the most money are like crown of providence flame scale furnace uh marvel tomaltai which is like crazy rare and maybe in like shuko and the other marvel uh majestic dragons you know 
and then right after that, it's like whatever you're getting out of the, your box is half is like worth half of the box's price. Basically, the actual the Marvel Ashwing and Ash token uh, you could sell for the price of the box, but everything else after that it drops pretty significantly. So, well, let me just interject ahead. really quick. Uh, there's currently a buyout on the Marvel Dragons happening right now, so prices have insanely spiked. Mm, gotcha. So the prices on the Marvel Dragons compared to a week ago or maybe a week from now might be quite a lot different. I just wanted mm. to like share that. Um, the majestic surprise. ones or just Marvel Dragons? I think in all of them, but especially the majestics because they are the mm -hmm. super rare runs. I'm yeah. I'm not 100% convinced there is a buyout. Um, maybe there's other data, but if you look at that site <laughs> that sells uh, singles from all sorts of vendors, uh, mm -hmm. the number of sold has not changed over the past couple of weeks. Like it's just a couple sold in the past couple of weeks. And then somebody started listing it, listing them for much higher. I think the last one that sold was like 200 something. And now people are listing it for 400. So I think people are trying to like figure out the cost of them and everyone's acting like a million sold. And it's like, I, if you look at the data, there's not that many that actually sold. I think the fact is there's just not that many and people are realizing that they are very rare. So the price yeah. is trying to like <clears throat> figure out, yeah, the market is going to market and we'll figure out where it lands. But it's, I keep seeing, and if, if you've got data to show me, show me the data, I just was like, oh, everyone's saying there's a buyout. And I've literally seen one sold at over 200 and there was just not many listed. So, and now people have listed them for very high because they had them and they were holding on and they think they can get a ton of money. So yeah. if you don't want to pay that much, just don't buy them. And then the market price will go down. That's how things yeah. work usually. So, but I could be wrong. I just thought that was interesting because I saw a lot of people doing that. And immediately I was like, well, fuck, I waited way too long to buy these because I really wanted, <laughs> I wanted the three <laughs> of the majestic ones and I totally had a chance to get them at like a hundred bucks and I did not do it because I was like trying to be a responsible adult <laughs> with the money. <laughs> so, you know, jokes on me. Um, yeah. I, w I wonder just in that vein, I wonder what, because like a lot of vendors also kind of side hustle, like on Facebook or discord or the like, and I've seen like vendors with huge lots of cards, like m many fables, et cetera. All of their dragons have just been bought out. Um, but I wonder what percentage of the market, um, the kind of casual marketplaces are compared to like TCG player. Um, just because that's the sphere that I like am in more than TCG player. But I don't know if that's like, you know, any significant percentage. Yeah, I, I don't look at Facebook because I hate going to Facebook. So I don't. I don't have that data either. So it could very well be that people are snatching them up. Um, but. I I think too that they are very rare. Like I I didn't open a single one of the majestic marbles, which I guess isn't the biggest sample size. But anyways, we digress. So, yeah. So basically, the the takeaway there is a great idea. I'm enjoying that. The packs are super fun. I like it that there is no more unlimited, but maybe our critique is the price point on the secondary market isn't maybe where it should be, but is potentially improved from previous 
releases. That's the word. So it's the first set in a while. I think that <clears throat> prices have increased after release. Well, it's like they decreased initially, but now they seem to be increasing uh, as we move further away from the release date, which I think is the first time in a while that that's happened. So that's it's good to see, especially for like that kind of like the collectible cards. Like that's what you would want to expect. You know, you want to be able to say like, I'm not interested in collecting these things so I can sell them to, you know, subsidize the stuff I want and, you know, getting other cards that I need for my decks. And I think that's really, I mean, that's, that's a core part of a trading card game is the trading of cards to get the things you want with what you have. And I think a lot of people forget that sometimes and they think everything should just be purchasable at the price point that they want. And it's like, they sure but then everything then nothing has value and it's kind of like just wasting money opening boxes and it's fun to open boxes so if you're gonna have it should be fun and it should also you know not immediately lose value once you open that box yeah totally uh isaac do you have anything else before we move on to the next little bit of fab 2.0 no well i was gonna bring up the uh the history pack section yeah 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 just because I thought it was interesting, um, I, I, haven't, I haven't opened a single history pack because I don't need a lot of the, any of the cards really in there. But I was looking at some prices, and it definitely hasn't like really helped the price of anything. It may have you know increased the number of certain cards that are available, but in some regard, like you know, it's like Command and Conquer is like ten dollars cheaper, but it's still seventy five dollars to get the history pack version. So. It's a little weird. I think we're you know we're still early days on that. I believe they're supposed to be around for a while, um, and we'll see what people continue to open and how those prices stabilize. I know at first they were like more expensive than the regular cards, which is you know as soon as it's like a thing and only a couple people have opened it, it's like a now it's more collectible and it's just like this <laughs> this is really funny that they keep trying to like make things less collectible and by printing less of them they become more collectibles but i thought that was interesting and there's also the run on the european and other uh uh region specific language uh history black label ones where people are people are collecting the german ones they everyone wants the marvel heroes they want you know the german version of cards because it you know looks cool in their deck uh and i think that's very interesting it's good i hope that those people in those regions are getting those boxes and we're not just all buying them in the u.s because that just 100 percent defeats the purpose of right. doing that but uh and then it gives them a chance to also trade up and you know if people are more excited about the other languages you know, gives them a chance to uh, build out their collections with stuff that they would like as well. So I just thought interesting kind of like permutations of like the trading yeah. ground and um, where everything's at. Yeah, I uh, I thought that history packs were more to serve areas where it's hard to get product and we don't experience that at all, right? Like singles are readily available, pretty much any singles boxes it's like no problem for us so i don't i was actually kind of just surprised and uh some vendors were a bit concerned they would be like sold in the u.s where there's kind of a plethora of cards but um hopefully in you know europe or even canada 
or some places where, you know, there is a bit more of a shortage. Um, hopefully it's helping there. Yeah. I mean, we've seen them in the U.S. I've played against plenty of players out in the wild that have white bordered cards, you know, and it's so it seems like, you know, people are buying that product and it's getting out there in the wild and people are using it, you know, and I think, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think history packs will be a uh, later down the road. We'll see the the prestige mm. from that that idea. All right. Next section. So the game Flesh and Blood now is supposed to have more of a focus on storytelling and lore and a connected story between each set. And the first kind of thing we see with that are the hero stories that uh, were the prelude to Uprising and classic battles. So what are your guys' thoughts about the storytelling aspect of the game now that we're in Fab 2.0? Isaac, you start. Oh, we're switching it up. Um, Uprising has done a much better job uh, telling the story than Arya. Um, I really enjoyed the flavor and the characters of Arya, but then they didn't, they just like took a walk to a festival, you know, it was like Monarch, you know, light versus dark, good versus evil, this epic, you know, invasion and battle for the land of Wraith. And then like Briar, grumpy Briar and chipper Lexi and old him go on a walk. And you're like, what? And now we're back to like, Shiana's going to recruit to like, you know, help Solana win this battle or we're all doomed. But there's this uprising, you know, and rebellion and Fulcors and turmoil. You know, it's just like a really weird tonal shift between the different uh, tales. Um, so I'm like very happy that they released the new lore articles, that these characters are pretty rich in flavor. Uh, I don't like Fi's game plan or or gameplay or find it interesting but after like reading his article and um you know playing with him it's just like pretty cool because you're the you're leading the rebellion and all this this stuff so i thought all that was like really really great um i also thought uh just on the classic battles note we have here i thought that classic battles was like a really good idea and very like flavorful and lore rich, um, which I think is like excellent in all those ways. It's just when you're trying to, when you want to try out a game, you want to buy two starter decks for 20 bucks and like play it. You know, you don't want to buy like, or just for me, right? You don't want to buy like a 50, like if I was going to try out, you know, whatever pokemon i don't want to go spend 50 bucks for like a whole thing with a bunch of stuff i don't really need i want to like try out the game and then i want to like get into it if i like it so i think that they got that a little bit like a little backwards maybe um and i know a lot of games have done starter kits for a lot of money and stuff like that before so it's uh, nothing new but i you know i 
I'm actually really into the release and the flavor. I just thought they missed the mark a little bit as far as the, you know, the, the marketing goes. But yeah, yeah digging the, uh, hopefully they will continue to invest in the, the rich flavor. And uh, I am still looking forward to, you know, um, you know, PVE, the continued overarching storyline of, um, you know, the demonastery invading, et cetera, et cetera. But, yep, that's my piece and my ramblings. Nice. I think it's <clears throat> it's also really funny that the tales of Arya had literally no tales attached to it, and it's just like, I guess they've said they were in like a COVID lockdown, but it's like, it seems like you all weren't prepared for <laughs> this set whatsoever, considering the many issues it had. But that's fine. Uh, the I, I agree. The lore leading up to the uprising uh, spoiler season was super cool. It got people like really hyped. I hadn't been that hyped for a while on a release. I think so. Having all that uh, build up to it and really leave you feeling like you got some tasty, tasty morsels of what's happening, but also had no idea what was going to happen next. Cause you know, it was like, we got Icelander first and we all just like, well, what does this mean? <laughs> you can't just have like another ice thing going on. Um, but I think that all worked out. I think it's really thematic. I love the Phoenix form as a, or Phoenix flame as a, uh, uh, if thematic implementation mechanically, um, I think that was really cool how they did that and how it primarily works really well with Phi, even though it's technically just draconic. Um, so I thought all oh, that was really cool. Super into it. I don't always read the lore because they're long and sometimes I don't really, I don't care that much. But like, I thought the way they did it for the release of cards was, I think that's the way I want it. I want to see new stuff coming out with lore attached to it because that just gives me like a whole context and gets your brain running on what's going to happen next. So keep that part up. And also the, I know everybody, a lot of people really like the, the lore stories as well. And I like hearing the synopsis from other people. Um, the classic battles thing. And this is the other side of it was like products for new first play or um, social play. Uh, and I think, I think classic battle, I haven't played it. I bought it. Cause I was like, okay, I want something that I could try to play with a new player. That's not a tails blitz deck or a monarch blitz deck. Cause I played a monarch blitz deck with somebody and, and it was just so convoluted trying to teach them how to play and the mechanics of soul and all the other stuff. Um, so I like that that's available. I think it's a hundred percent the biggest mistake. One of the biggest mistakes they've made is putting that glistening steel blade card in that deck for Dorinthia that people are spending almost the price of the whole box on to buy. And it's just I think it's the dumbest, the dumbest thing. Like, why would you put a super powerful new card in a set as a one of for new players? Like bad don't do that like let's you know they're and i think they're they constantly struggle with we want it to like everybody to want this so it's like they're trying to sell it to their current player base when they don't need to like this should be a product for new players or for players to buy to help introduce to new players and not something they buy rip one card out of and then like sell that card for a profit 
It just seems like bonkers to me. Um, but yeah, that that's my that's my hot take. I, I haven't played with the decks yet. I think, you know, Reinar did get a couple cool cards. Uh, you know, shout out to Graham, who was putting those skills on uh, display at the Battle Harden. Um, I was just like, what is this? You know, I didn't understand what he was doing. I had to look up the new cards, and I was like, oh, okay, these are pretty cool, actually. So um, that's that's pretty good, but none of those are selling for, like, $35 for the single card, which, again, is, that was just unfortunate that that happened. But I guess, you know, Dorinthia players are excited, which I don't care about. <laughs> Boom. That's hilarious. What did uh, you say? You went to Tasty Town, Colin, <laughs> on, on the on the morsels with the of, new lore. <laughs> I'm, I've always been there. I've, I don't go to it. I I reside there permanently. Nice. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Taylor. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Uh, so yeah, glistening steel blade is thirty two dollars. Jesus, it's stupid. It's the dumbest thing. It's so stupid. <laughs> It's been you need three bucks. of them. Yeah, ninety dollars yeah. for like a stupid card, and they're probably going to reprint it sometime. But I just makes me upset. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's my takes on the lore and that sort of thing. So the articles I think that have come out are way better written. Like it's a much cleaner succinct story especially the new uh articles we had just gotten i forget the titles of them i'm sorry but they're the brand new ones where it's uh we get a, like a introduction to uh dromai like doing some things trying to become one of the drakai and phi has captured kidnapped a important general and Icelander is, we get a little bit of their backstory about being sold in that they're actually from Volcor and then teleported to the uh, bleak expanse and then become an ice wizard and then come back to Volcor and then say to themselves, everybody in the river district needs my help. I'm Batman, you know, so Icelander's Batman, which is great. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read that article. She clearly says, I'm Batman. I'm Iceman. I am the knight. Ice Bat. Yeah. Ice Bat is for sure what she says, just like that. So don't don't tweet at me that I'm wrong. I'm totally correct on that. So I've enjoyed all of those things. Those have been great in that it's a continuing story about the set. How, again, it relates to everything else is a little wishy-washy, and we still have no clue why all of the characters in Wraith want to fight each other. This is just, next time James White is on a podcast, I'm going to tweet whoever it is, be like, okay, why are these characters fighting? Why does Dorinthia want to stab Katsu right in the throat? You know? Why? They should be friends. Anyway, you can't. Or if there is a reason, it's fine. I don't mind that she wants her wants to stab him, but I just want to know the reason. What were you gonna say, Colin? I'm gonna say you can't just undermine the core reason of a one v one battle game. And although we know the reason, friends, we yeah, we know the reason Dorinthy is doing it, and it's because of the 
colonial effort, colonization efforts of Solana on the rest of Ray. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Manifest destiny, you know. Yep. yep. It's her right, right to take Katsu's home. Yeah. She's blessed by the light, so must be true and good. Must be true and good. Yikes. Uh, and then the other thing I would say, my critique of classic battles was it had it was touted to have this whole lore book and we don't really learn anything new. It's just like this is Dorinthia and this is Reinar. And more, then they're fighting. More than half of that book is Dorinthia. Like it splits and is like upside down for Reinar and you get to the middle and it just keeps going into Reinar's half of the book and is just Dorinthia and it's like come on man. Why do they hate Reinar and Brute so much? <laughs> I don't know. So uh, I hope so. The big test here for the like story part of the game will be how this set connects to the next set, and does that set connect back to the overarching story that they have started in this game? Right. And this might not be a huge deal for a lot of you, and maybe you just are skipping this part, but for me, one of the things I am definitely attracted to in this game is the story part. And I would like to know certain things and for there to be more story for me to nerd out on, you know, and like talk in the lore channel on the discord about cool stuff because there is some really fun tidbits and that sort of thing. So if we get more of that, you can have more of my money. You know what That's I'm the hearing? deal we're striking. You know what I'm hearing as you say that is uh, we need more fanfic out there for for all the heroes. So just if you're into it, share it. Let us know. If you're posting it somewhere, put it in a comment. We want to read your fanfic about anybody in Wraith. Hell yeah. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I, I've taken that a little bit. Like, I agree with you. I would like to know because our original theory was just uh, the king of wraith was putting on like a gladiatorial match or something you know because that would make a lot of sense but then monarch came out and that was not the case but um i think we have seen these are like you know tumultuous times so if like katsu and dory met on the road somewhere both on a uh important mission or something you know they could mistrust each other or end up fighting um just because of all of the evil in the world and the importance of their current goals and all of that, you know, so that's kind of like how I've taken that so far. Like the kingdom's in turmoil and everybody's trying to preserve their home, their mission, their, their kingdom, their, you know, um, their way so. of life. I, I've just taken that for now. And then uh, hopefully it'll be better explained in the future. Hashtag save the brutes. You know what I'm saying? I also agree. It, other games have put like must play cards in starter sets to where to start like uh, Star Wars Destiny. You have to buy two starter packs for 40 bucks each to like have the cards to play like a few of the staple heroes, uh, which was shitty. You know, that was pretty lame. And uh, this is like pretty common practice as like. Uh, they just sell more starter packs that way, right? Because then everybody needs them. I did not think LSS would do that. And maybe they still do not want, or maybe it was just, uh, 
accident or, you know, I'm not like accusing them of doing this quite yet, but, uh, yeah, whatever that, the counter factory, that's what the card's called. Counter factory could have easily come out in a supplemental set. You know, it could have come out in Everfest and just like solve this whole thing. Um, but then maybe sell less starter packs and maybe their marketed team was like, you know what? We need just to make like 1% more money this quarter and we're just getting, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it's like behind the scenes. Fair. Totally fair. Shall we move on to our next topic? Do it. Okay. ELO updates. So they have used ELO now for Rotonats and PQs. How has that worked? Is it great? Is it not great? What are your guys' thoughts? Road to Nats and kind of ProQuest, but I think mostly Road to, I don't know, feel like, to me, feel a bit too casual for ELO. Um, but I also just, I'm not super invested in my ELO. And because there's constantly new players gaining ELO, and uh, there's not that many ranked matches yet, and ELO is not used for anything, it's just like... It doesn't mean anything yet. So I think like deliberating on it and how it's like balanced or not or what it should be used for is like maybe way in the future we'll be having that conversation, uh, you know, when invites are based on ELO and is there enough ELO to have invites based on it and everything. But it's just like as is, it means literally nothing. Totally. This is my take. Yeah, I think it gets better over time. <clears throat> I don't think I've played in a event, any of the new events that got ELO since they made that rule change, uh, because I haven't. <laughs> so it doesn't affect me too much. I know, I think it does put people in a weird spot where they have to make a choice. Do I keep playing and risk ELO if they care about it, or do I drop to make sure I don't, you know? Right get so much of a penalty if I'm, and it also, I think it might push people to not experiment in certain events, which I guess you could say armories are for that, but not everybody gets to play every week and they might want to just go and try something new at a bigger event where they get a lot of reps and now they have to like possibly take a big hit when they do that. So I think it's, it's fine. I think it's, I don't know. I feel like I must have just said this, but you know, it gets better. The longer we have it, the better and more informative it actually becomes. And then until we get like, you know, a first world champion and like multiple national champions per, you know, per country, I think that will really start to take form. Cause now it's just like, okay, well, Pablo's number one. Cause he won the pro tour. It's just like, well, that's cause there hasn't been anything that big yet. So if you win that, yeah. you're the best player in the world right now, which I guess that's what that means, but there's there's very little context around it to you know support that. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. So for me, the game is still the player base is so small that Rotonats and PQs are basically uh, larger armory events for everybody. Like. I nearly, now that we've been in this game for quite a while, and we don't even live in the areas we go and play, me and Isaac drive 
five hours to go to a road to Nats or a ProQuest and still top eight them. Uh, that we don't play with these players all the time, but we have gone to enough of these to where we still know everybody who's going to them, you know, at these 30, 40 person events. It's just like, oh, here are all the homies or whatever. You know what I mean? And there hasn't been like a huge influx of like, oh my gosh, now our road to Nat or PQ is like 64 people and half of the people I don't even know are here or who are here, I don't know them. So there's still just like these really localized metas that uh, add to its like semi-casual level, right? Like Isaac said. So um, it doesn't feel like ELO, right, is doing anything at that level. If we do start seeing like battle hardens peppered throughout the year, so we get battle hardens, callings, and then pro quests and... I mean, uh, pro tour stuff like those kind of seem like a better, like a battle hardened seems like a better place for a rated event. Cause it's like slightly bigger and they're less frequent, which maybe is an issue, but it, it, it allows there to be like, you know, a bit more of a serious take on the battle hardened. You know what I mean? Cause so, so then it like maybe makes a better differentiating aspect. Great word usage there between like a calling a battle hardened and a, a, a road to national. Am I making sense? I feel like I've flown off of the rails here. Yeah, I think so. Um, but again, I'll just go back to, it's just like, because ELO doesn't mean anything yet, then it does like, I would rather play fun games or games for fun or like I got my Nats invite. So the next day I like went and just played for experience and for fun and, you know, whatever. Um, so I would rather do that and just like have my ELO suffer for it. And maybe if ELO is super critical for the top end players, then we'll see this like shift to where players want to play like only spiking battle hardens or like drop events constantly to like maintain their elo but it's like as it stands even the top players in the world are just like you know take a gamble at an event sometimes play it out because it's just like it doesn't much matter yeah i think that's fair <clears throat> i don't think especially the the k factor as they call it which sounds like a made up word um is much lower on those events i i just have to i haven't seen how it affects someone's score you know game by game but it's going to be less and so it should hopefully it's enough where it doesn't discourage people from playing but i i do think i i've heard some people being like oh well i'm going to drop you know because of elo reasons and stuff so right and that's that's up to them you know if that's how you maintain your your score and you need that to qualify for things, which isn't the case yet, then, you know, have fun. I mean, I, I play on chess.com sometimes and just have a tor terrible score because I suck and I lose all the time. Or then I play bad people and I get, you know, slightly better. 
but you know, if you play a bad person and you win, you don't go up very high. Uh, it's that one time I beat a good player and it's just like, you shoot up. Um, but that's how it works. It's, it more, it's more true the more you play and the more it updates. So if you're yeah. only winning and then dropping after you lose, then it's actually not an accurate representation of your skill and you're kind of gaming that system, which if that's what you need to do, cool. Um, yeah, it's weird for me when you drop, you don't just take losses for the rest of the tournament. I mean, I'm sure there's some reasoning behind that, but like that's what you're doing. You know, somebody's getting a buy or you know, whatever, but Again, don't that would be fucking tweet at me. Kind of awesome. I have no idea why they do that, or you know, I'm sure there's a reason. Do chess players drop their tournaments when they lose one or two games in a row? I don't know how like I don't know. professional gaming things with this kind of you know the uh, ranking system work, but I think it's very funny that it's just a part of it. Like, and I get it too. I've I've done really bad and just was not having a good time and dropped because I was like. This isn't fun, yeah. and I need to go do something else that's more fun to make, you know, to feel better about it. So, but you know, I'm also not worried about my Elo because I'm I'm not, I'm not getting an invitation to Worlds, pretty sure, uh, anytime soon. So that's you never uh, know. I mean, you invite me, I will commentate all day, ten hours straight. Let's go. I'll do it. <laughs> awesome, James. James. <laughs> Hey. Let's hang out. <laughs> Let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens with Elo. Currently, like, what does it matter? You know? Like, let's either use it or not use it. And let's also do something more interesting with XP as well. Those are my those are my thoughts. What would be crazy, and I would not put it past LSS, is if they were, like, in, like, October, they're, like... <laughs> Oh, actually, to qualify for Worlds, we're going to use ELO. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, like October 15th. absurd. <laughs> yeah. But Oh, boy. Nice. <laughs> uh, should we move on to how the ban in Restricted List has changed? Or do you guys want to move on to Living Legend or put all of those into the same bucket? Let's just wrap it up. You know, cool. One big, one big mess of seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> so in Fab 2.0, they have a new way of basically banning or restricting cards and um, how often they update Living Legend. Colin, can you explain this a bit better? than I'm doing because my brain apparently is oozing out of my ears. Of course I can, I can try. We'll see if it's any better. So they, they removed the restricted list. That was the big thing. It's right. like, there That's is no restricted is. list. They've added suspensions and they've used it liberally, which I think is pretty cool. They, they, you know, put chain or seeds of agony is suspended until chain living legend. And then he did. So now it's available. We don't have a Shadow Runeblade hero to play them, but when, if and when we do, those cards are back on the table. Um, I think this has been really useful for dealing with kind of short-term specific hero powers like we saw with Starvo, although that was just the specific hero was the problem, um, not necessarily any of the cards they were running. But the 
I think the use of this and just their they seem less hesitant to ban and suspend cards now. Um, they they are keeping an eye on the meta. Uh, I hope they're not listening too closely to what everybody's groaning about because often it's just the loudest people, you know, aren't always right and they're they complain about something uh and you know then it gets banned which you know you could maybe argue that's what's going on with stubbies but not really they they obviously knew it was kind of busted so they just wanted to play and see see what happened um but i think overall that it seems to be working better it's more information to learn when you're starting out but there's already so much you have to learn when starting out and starting to play competitively if you're interested in that, then you're just going to have to keep up to date on these things, which I think is a normal ask for this style of lifestyle uh, game. Um, so, yeah, I think all that seems to be working fairly well, in my opinion. Isaac? I th- yeah, I think it's just like a semantics thing, because if you like ban something... And then after, like, if you ban seeds and then after chain LLs and then you unban seeds, that's like the same thing as it being suspended. They're just like clarifying what they're doing. You know, it's exactly the same. Well, I think um, the point being now that bans are just done and then suspended suspensions and they can be undone if they think it's fine. But suspensions have a declared end date, you right. know? So I think, right, that's what I mean, just clarifying what they're doing. Though. Yeah, which I think is helpful. Because, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I think they were always planning on unbanding seeds, you know, or unbanding cards once the hero that breaks them are gone. But now they're just, like, clarifying, like, oh, yeah, we're not banning this for eternity. You just can't play with it now. And then when it comes back. And so far, um, the only example I can think of is, like... Um, um, Autumn's touch got suspended, which affected old him. And then, so you knew it was coming back when Starvo hit 1500 living legend points in two months, <laughs> which come on, um, you know, and, uh, I guess ball lightning was banned, which hurt Lexi, but I guess that's not coming back and Briar is not close to LL. So, um, I guess that those are two examples of where like suspended versus banned um, come into play. But on the the other side of things, like there besides Starvo and Oldham or that situation, like there hasn't been right. There's like not two Shadow Rune Blades, so like whether Seeds is banned or suspended, it doesn't matter, right? It would only matter if they ever make another Shadow Rune Blade and then unbanned Seeds. Or now it's not suspended anymore, so it's whatever, you know. But it's like, I don't know. To me, it's all kind of like the same thing. It's like, this mechanic's a problem, but then they can always unban it in the future. But I guess it is good that they're clarifying that for us. Yeah, I think overall it's positive and, you know, basically everything they've banned or restricted or suspended, excuse me, uh, has been made sense you know that i have no issues with what they have uh used the hammer for and banned or uh suspended so totally 
good. They're hitting the right things. And it seems to be working just fine. Seeds is legal in commoner. So nice to run your seeds with your pummel chain, who is still legal in commoner, which is pretty fun. Pummel chain. Let's go. Um, and then Living Legends has um, has its like own page now where they're updating the leaderboard kind of a bit more regularly in that sort of thing. Um, but I think the big critique there is that a, a thousand points when your player base and stores are growing all the time and there are more opportunities for war heroes to win events is maybe not working out the best. I mean, so Living Legend worked really great and Starvo is now gone, right? So it definitely was like way too insane. That's not how it's supposed to work though. Yeah. So this is the big thing, right? So like it's not supposed to... So James White has clarified in a podcast or in an interview that Living Legend is not like explicitly supposed to be a safety, uh, valve. safety valve, but that is one of its uses, right? Is that they're okay with if things do get out of hand that we do have Living Legend, but it's not, that's not its only use. Uh, I don't... It, go ahead. Well, just on that point when you're done. No, yeah, you can you can go. Well, I I just don't quite agree with that, right? Because well, that's what he said. Yeah, well, well, so it's just like so if you're using it as a safety valve, then we play a whole meta with a broken hero. And then living legend works, but you should just nerf them. You know, or restrict them somehow or ban them ahead of time because then it's like well, it'll it'll self-correct. You just have to play through, you know, X amount of events or X amount of weeks or months of like unfun gameplay, you know? So I I don't know. That's just my thoughts on that that point that you brought up. I think Starvo is just a specific shit show <laughs> in itself. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, that's the outlier. Hopefully, like Briar, they nerfed pretty quickly, but for some reason didn't see a need to nerf Starvo, even though he was probably even worse of an offender. Uh, maybe because it was a fancy Marvel card, may I don't know, like, or it was just like kind of one of their darling heroes. They're excited about bringing the old original heroes back with a talent. Hard to say, we don't have a lot of precedent for it, so we have to kind of continue to see how they handle that um obviously you know they're banning a big piece of Fi's combo package right now to calm him down a bit so and yet you know they never ban anything from prism which everyone who hates prism is constantly calling for something to be done but she'll be out eventually but yeah i, I agree i don't think it should be the safety valve i think you know it inherently can be that if they decide to let it be that and you know they did at least once so they might do it again hopefully they just get better and not releasing just busted heroes that yeah my point is if it is going to be the safety valve you could just release an announcement instead and save us all 
all of that, you know, anyway, sorry, continue Taylor. No, you guys are doing, you guys are doing great. I think Um, the, I'm loving it. The thing I would like to see is just a faster reaction to the number of events versus the points that heroes get. Like, it seems like the number of events are just shooting up and they're not adjusting the number of living legend points that they get at these events. You know, like there's a hundred something for Rogue Nat seasons, which like, you know, that's only what, uh, four per win. But I mean, if someone gets, you know, 30, 40 wins, you know, it's a hundred something there. They're already 10% of the way there. Like, and it used to be like, yeah. oh, this is going to be, it's going to be years before people hit living legend. Like, right. it's just like, well, no, they're just going to, we're just going to burn right through heroes and we're not going to have much to play with, which sure that means the meta is changing, but also means that the things we like to play disappear and invested a lot of time and money and disappear. And now we have to like do something else. And we don't know what happens to, you know, the, the classes and talented classes that don't have another hero to play with. So, you know, hopefully we see something in that regard. I would like to see how they're handling that. Do we get a new shadow room blade? Uh, definitely. We don't need a Starvo remaking. That doesn't, we already have the, the essence heroes. So I think, uh, if they put out like a new chain, not a new chain, but you know, someone who can play the card pool. I'm curious to see what that looks like. Is it like, you know, Mr. Chain, who's slightly worse than Chain, (laughs) um, that just can play those cards now? Or is it totally different uh, play style and hero ability that opens up a new new avenue for that class and talent? So that's what I'd like to see is just the adjustment of points um, to make more sense and maybe even i don't know just let them say this is what we actually expect a hero's lifespan to be like the best hero should be around for a year if that's the case it's like i don't know i feel a little weird about that personally but i guess in the case of the heroes who are super oppressive i agree with isaac that we need to you know adjust them in game and not wait for these uh kind of outer meta things to run their course and remove them permanently. Yeah, I agree that if we have a kind of idea of how long heroes are planning to be around for it to be healthy, um, then, you know, or just what their vision is, it doesn't have to enact perfectly, uh, but it would be nice to know what they like theorized how long a hero should stay around um you know because prism i guess is the true or is like going to be like the the truest form of living legend here with 998 points of a thousand uh has had no hits to anything uh you know no bans no restricted on any of prism's cards or hero ability yellow plunder run excuse me i knew you were gonna say that uh (laughs) so you know she's been out for over a year now right and is is gonna ll probably by the end of this calendar year so is that as long as we want it when you have like 
uh, a thousand promo cards. Like the whole deck is promos at this point, and all of these cool rare cards is are gonna exit out of the game in terms of playability. And and what does that mean? And then to the like living legend points point it would be nice i've heard some people talk about like a percentage based system where there's we know there's x amount of these events and winning x amount of them gets you this percentage of the total available points right so that it would change with how many events there are and that sort of thing it would be a bit more dynamic rather than static um and that seems like a good idea but um yeah if we keep go ahead go ahead well it has to move that way right because that just accounts for growing or shrinking tournaments um yeah you know global catastrophes affecting number of tournaments in a year like any of those things are just fixed by a percentage-based system yeah Um, so i think it's i'd Maybe they're working out the kinks, but I'm surprised it hasn't already moved that way. Yeah. Isaac, but, what do you know that we don't about the next global catastrophe? Well, it's I was just something the previous one. But there will be more. <laughs> you just gotta start thinking about that stuff now. This is the day and age we live in. And you, you said that she's globally. been around Prism's been around for a year. I was like, no way. It's been way longer. And I was just like, Wait, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Everything just passed it. Yeah. That's wild. Anyways, sorry. I'm just making goofs. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, well, another thing that's coming up is, yeah, heroes are hitting LL kind of faster than new heroes are coming out, which that trend may not continue. But like Starvo hit it, Chain hit it, Prism will hit it. You know, like heroes like Briar, etc., are like up there. So with the current system, there could be these weird waves of like a few heroes LL and then the next set's just supplemental. So we don't get any new ones. So then the hero pool kind of goes down, you know, by like next January or something, or maybe it doesn't, but it could play out that way. So um, I think the percentage based system also just kind of um, addresses that a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Briar has 642 points is yeah. the next, she's the next highest um, hero and then viscerai with 382 points well that's not too many nice yeah totally that seems like a totally reasonable place to be at um you know azalea still has zero unfortunately mm. just wait till everyone else living legends out and she's the <laughs> only one left in the in the regular format yeah <laughs> Uh, so yeah, any, uh, closing thoughts here? I do think overall fab 2.0 has been a huge success and has been really positive in a lot of areas for sure. And will continue, I think, to get better as time goes on. Cause we're still in the early stages of fab 2.0. So I think it will mm-hmm. continue to uh, show age very, very well is my opinion on that. Yeah. And LSS has been really proactive about, you know, all of the aspects of their game instead of just kind of like being behind the scenes and never saying anything and then waiting till the next release or whatever, you know, they've been 
proactively, you know, banning cards to not too drastically nerf a character, still leave it fun, but also balance the meta and things like, um, you know, types of uh, judge calls that they're kind of unhappy with occurring. You know, they address that kind of thing right away. They're just, uh, their proactive approach is like very much appreciated. You know, because in some games, there's just like the company has no voice and no like proactive hand. It's just kind of like, we made this product. Maybe in four months, the product will change. Or, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, I, it's obvious how much they care and they want this game to be great and they want to continue and they don't want to be beholden to any original ideas that they had and they're reacting with consideration and not just, you know, kind of really off the cuff and, you know, they, they take things, they take their time and that might be a little frustrating sometimes, but I think overall it's better than just, you know, flat out reactionary uh, moves to, to try to address what might be a problem. They really take their time to figure out if it is a problem and, the spectrum of how well that's worked out, but I think overall it's been really good. And, you know, I think everything we covered is, it's been fun. Um, I think we should be checking out the new commoner format. I don't think we've actually played with the new rules. I'd love to get a few games in there. I'm not sure that meta's out if there is, I mean, I'm sure there is a meta, but it's not, uh, super prevalent or talked about as much. So I'm, I'm curious to get a few games in there and uh, also with the UPF stuff. But, you know, that that feels like when you're playing so much fab that you're just like, oh, well, let's just try UPF. And it's like, I'd rather just, you know, <laughs> I'd rather play Constructed right now. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there and we'll, we'll try some out too. For sure. Sounds like a great plan, Mr. Colin. You guys want to come back down next week? Tasty town. Yeah. Come on down. <laughs> Just blow back up the air mattress. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I'd love to hang out. All right. Well, let me know. Sweet. Can you, what time are you leaving? <laughs> uh, 2023. <laughs> That's so far away. Well, closer than you think now. Jeez, anyway. <laughs> That's our show. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us during this discussion. If you have any thoughts about anything, tweet at us. Our Twitter profiles are readily available at different parts in this video or in the description below. Uh, leave a comment on the YouTube, etc. Like and subscribe. Tell a friend. That's the big one. Just tell your friends that we're here and... They should pay attention to what we got to say because it's pretty fun. And we would like to be their friends also. So thank you all. And we'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Tomo tie your stubbies. I play Tomo tie. <laughs> Kill stubbies. <laughs> I got it. Done. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Let everybody run three Tomo ties. Stubbies <laughs> taken care of. Yeah, really addresses Stubbies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>